All right, welcome to the Chaz Palmetary Show. It is Monday, and you know what Monday means at 11 o'clock, we got a new show. But before I tell you about my legendary guest today, I just want to tell you, don't forget to go to my website, chazpalmetary.net. You will see all my dates. March 1st, I'll be in Arkansas. March 3rd, I'll be in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Atlantic City, April 1st at the Ocean Room. Chazpalmetary.net. Don't forget to check out my restaurants, too. I got to tell you that. 30 West 46th Street and uh, 264 White Plains. Hit that subscribe button. Well, my guest today, I saw this guy in fucking person. And I got to tell you, I seen some comics tear up the place. But this guy, not only does he tear up the place, I have never seen, I mean this from my heart, I have never seen a fucking comic who had fans like this. They, it's like he walks on water. It was fucking insane. Here he is with me today, the legendary Joey Coco Diaz. What's happening, brother? Joey, <laughs> Joey I mean, now, when I went to see you and Rogan in, in Atlantic City, and you came out before him, I was like, what the fuck? It was like, I mean, there were two other comics before you. And funny, they were funny, funny guys. Great guys. Funny guys, great guys. And then you came out. It was insane. I mean, I thought they were going to dive on the stage. What? They were crazy. What do you have with your fans, Joey? The podcast. This was one of the most biggest tools I used to get through the comedy. Everybody's got jokes, Chaz. Right. Everybody's got jokes. We all have to have a little something at the Everybody's an actor. Everybody's True. in a fucking actor. Absolutely. But the one actor who maybe got a twitch, you don't know. <laughs> right, He right. sells the material up. Right, right. When I was struggling in 2007, I, I'll never forget, I did the longest show, and I didn't really get a great response from it or the one I expected. And I said, you know what? I'm going to step, step away from comedy. I really, I got married in 2009, and I go, let me step away from comedy. I could still do movies. I could still do spots, but I don't right. want to travel. I'm going to. Focus my energy somewhere else. And all of a sudden, people talking about podcasting, especially right. Rogan. He was doing it on the road. Well, at he night was the first, right? In a hotel room. And I used to go, it's two in the morning. Who the fuck is listening? And he would go, they're listening. And, wow. And I'll never forget when the podcast thing started coming. I used the podcast. You ever see a uh, boxing? Like you might watch a boxer and go, I like him. But then they do a inside. The HBO box. The HBO thing. 24 hours. Right. And the yes. kid, you see him now, he's not just a guy punching a dude. Right. He's a guy with six kids that gets up in the morning right. and drops the kids off at school and goes to UPS and works eight hours. Then he picks up the kids, does homework, and has to train at night. And you're like, that's a man. I'm yeah, not yeah, even doing that. You know that. what? I, I didn't think of it like that, but you're right. Because I used to get, then I was involved in the fighter at that time. Yes. And you watched the fighter. And I watched and, the fight. Yes. Everybody got a right cross. Everybody got an uppercut. Yeah. Very... What's this guy doing that we connect with? Right. And it was him telling his story. I grew up, I got chased down the corner by right. three Puerto Ricans every day, and I had a fight for my life. Right. And you're like, I relate to that. And I knew that once I could get my story out, storytelling on, in comedy wasn't, I was trying to break into it. Right. And I did this thing in 99. I did this thing called Testicle Testaments to challenge the vagina monologues, okay? And it was, <laughs> it was just a show about you telling me when you became a man. I don't want to hear about when you fucked 20 chicks or, I want to know. I want to yeah. know what your mom said to you. 
what your dad said to you. Right. I want to know what your brother said to you when you became a man. You know, right. and it's uh, all those things. I, I was trying to do an anti-comedy. So I went up there and told the story about a fucking my neighborhood and my mother's ball like you did. Yes, wow. And I remember Dice came in and did a section on crying on Arsenio. Right. You know, Jay Moore came I remember in that, and yes. told the story about getting in trouble in Canada on a set. Things right. that we didn't know. And I go, that's interesting. That's right. fucking interesting. And I like it. I like that I don't have to go for a laugh. The laugh comes. If the laugh comes, it comes. It comes. And if it doesn't, they're intrigued by the story. So I added all that story into it. When right. the podcast came out, when you fucking put your heart on the table. Listen, I can sit here for hours and tell you how good I am. Right. right, a human being can sit here for hours. When you tell the world how bad you've been from the heart. Right. Listen, I, one day I went to Carvel and I saw a, char, a, a change jar for handicapped kids. And when I bought the thing, I was short. I had $16, so I took the can to make a nickel. I remember walking over George Washington Bridge, so 178th Street, right. to get a $20 bag with change I robbed from a fucking charity, whatever it was. Am I proud of that? No. But it made me who I am today. Right. And somebody else might go, you know what? I did something like that once. And for years I walked around ashamed. Right. There was a story to it. Something yes. had happened in your day. Right. Listen, we're fucking idiots. We do stupid things. You know, we grew up robbing we grew, chicklets yeah. and yeah, fruit. Yes. You know, you used to bother the fucking guy with the horse, the mule. Right, exactly. It's, it's, so you just pick up these habits. But who would say things like that? Nobody would say Who would that. say things that at one night they wanted to kill themselves and they walked to the George Washington Bridge to do it, but on the way they saw a drug deal and the guy gave him a grand of blow and everything was back to normal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't want to kill myself no more. And you I forgot about it. Forget it. Tomorrow is another day. If I'm depressed tomorrow, then I'll jump off the fucking bridge. Wow. But when you tell people those stories, they, they seem a little, and at first they'll probably go home and go, I don't know what he was talking about, but. It's the truth. When I told America I got arrested for kidnapping, are you fucking kidding me? I, re I, I heard about it. So you got arrested for kidnapping. For years, I wouldn't even repeat that. For years. But then I read a thing, an article about Tim Allen getting so, busted for cocaine he, he in Michigan. Busted. Right. And he did what he had to do. What well, that doesn't matter. When I looked at that, I said, oh, if that motherfucker could do it, I could do it. I used to go to auditions like scared that they're doing a background check. You know, I'm, yeah. I'd be petrified. Once I told that story, once I got the guy I kidnapped on the podcast and apologized <laughs> to him, because for 20 years, I would reach out to the guy and the guy would tell me to now, go fuck myself. I'm sorry, but why, why did you kidnap him? It was 1987. I was living in Boulder, Colorado. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, I'm calling home. We're 24 years old, and my friends are going up to hunt the mountain every week with a kilo of coke. They're getting chased by cops. They throw the coke out the window. They come back the next day, a bunch of deer are dead, you know, from eating the fucking coke. I mean, oh, I'm just Jesus. exaggerating here. Right. But they're telling me, all, meanwhile, I'm in Colorado, walking around with a bunch of people fucking sipping tea. I got a nice girlfriend. I got a halfway nice life I didn't know at the time. And my buddies are calling me, come back. We're fucking having orgies. We're fucking sucking right. and fucking. I'm like, here I am taking three credits at night trying to be a good person. Right. And finally I go, fuck this shit. I gotta go back to college. I gotta go back to Jersey, but what do I got? Two grand? I can't show up with two grand. Wow. And right there, a kid comes up to me who I had worked with before. Yeah. He just, 
They go, uh, Kent is back. And I go, oh, Kent, how you doing? I go to hug him. He's got a black eye. I go, what the, where the fuck you been? And he told me he, was, he got a DUI. And uh, when they took him to the hospital, he broke into the pharmacy and he took the liquid cocaine and jumped out a window. And the cops fucking found him two days later. So they arrested him for the DUI and the theft. And he was looking at six years in prison. Right. And he goes, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. I'm going to go to Arizona. Uh, but before I leave, I got to make money. He goes, I, my roommate's got two kilos of coke. He wants to sell. I needed to go. Right. And this guy needed to sell. So I'm, I've got this other guy. You know, I, I called my buddies in Jersey, and I said, listen, we got a fucking pigeon. This guy's got four pounds of coke. Just, you know, he's an American kid. He don't right. know the streets like right. we do. Fly out. My, the guy that I used to do all my shit with here was like, I can't go there. So I had to use this biker dude in Boulder. Right. You know, this guy always talked to me about his partners, and yeah, he was right. in the Hells Angels and all this shit. So I made him the buyer. I, you know, and I go, listen, this guy wants to buy the four coke, you know, the coke from you. At, at, obviously, you're stealing it. So we, you're not going to get 36. We're going to give you 20. Right. So that's four times 20. That's $80,000. So right. it was one of those fake exactly. Miami Vice type rips, right. you know. I was fucked up, Chaz. And I picked him up one day and I fucking took him to the kid's house. And it was a double cross. Sure. The biker was going to rob me now. The tangled web we weave when wow. we tangle to deceive. Because when I picked the kid up, he took me upstairs and showed me the coke. I took the kid to the kid's house. He comes out with a machine gun and then says, Joey, tie him up. I go, that wasn't, are you a fucking idiot? We're supposed to be in this together. Well, right. You know, hit me in the head, tie me up. No. So he fucking, he leaves. He leaves me with the guy tied up. And he comes back and he goes, there was nothing in the house. I was there. You saw it? I saw it. But the coke was hidden in a suspended ceiling. It was upstairs. What right. he left out was maybe an ounce and maybe $1,400 worth of cash. Right. He came back with an eight ball and 200. He didn't know I knew. Right. So when we're talking, that was his mother's house. She was a realtor. And that was his mother's house. So I go, listen, what are you going to do with the dude now? I told him, I go, you tried to rob me, you stupid motherfucker. How dare you do something like that? We're fucking thieves in this together. Now you're stuck with this motherfucker. Wow. I had a nine millimeter in my car and it was hidden under a carpet. And he goes, if you leave, I'll shoot you. And I go, you know what? This guy's a fucking pussy. He's already, I'm a street dude. This guy's a fucking pussy. I'm reading this guy. And I heard him pull the gun. And I just walked out the door and I went to my car. Not, I wasn't excited or anything. I go, I've done a lot of things in my life. I'm 25 at the time. I go, I've, not, I've done enough things that I know, I know I can't leave these two idiots al alive. It was one in the afternoon, residential neighborhood in Boulder. I go, I'm going to take this gun, go in there and shoot them both and end this shit. That's and what you were going to do? Dead men tell no tales. And I got the gun. I checked it. He came out to the door. Don't come back. If Next time I see you, I'm going to shoot you. And at that minute, I go, I'm just going to shoot these two motherfuckers. I'm going to shoot the kidnapper, the, my partner. And something stopped me. Ke Chaz, I was dying to shoot a motherfucker. I'm yeah. 24. I'm from this area. I'm a fucking loser. I got a GED. I'm not, I didn't even have a GED at the time. I was taking college courses with no high school diploma in Colorado and shit. I right. mean, I'm fucking nuts. You know right. what I mean? I'm at the yeah. University of Colorado, right. one of the biggest schools in the country. Right. And I'm taking continuing ed classes with no fucking high, no, school, diploma. No high school diploma. 
So I look up and I go, you know what? I can't shoot this motherfucker. I go, this is going to ruin me for life. Of course. My, my Catholicism, my Santeria background, all right. this Cuban Catholic shit. If I shoot this motherfucker, this not, I can't shoot him. I said, fuck it. And I turned the car and I went to the dealer's house. I walked in there. I kicked the fucking door down. I ripped that fucking ceiling down. And I took those four pounds of Coke. And I called a friend of mine. I gave him to him to drive up to Aspen, Colorado. I already had him dumped. Yeah. And I took like a handful out, and I went back to my house, and I said, let's wait to see what happens. Wow. Kid came over my house that night, the, the biker, and he goes, we fucked up. I need the money. Let's, I got another guy we could rob. I said, you're on your own. And he goes, I got the guy in the trunk. I go, fucking don't bring him over here to my house. <laughs> don't bring him over here to my house. So, but you got arrested for that? The next day, God has a weird way of working. This idiot's driving the guy in the trunk to fucking the Denver bus station to put him on a bus to Arizona, but he's driving without no headlights on. He gets pulled over, license and registration. Uh, the guy bangs in the back. <laughs> the guy that I kidnapped never ratted me. The biker. You got to smack him twice to talk and ten times to shut the fuck up. He gave date of birth, social security number. He ratted you. He ratted. He ratted. I was out snorting. I, the next morning I wake up, I'm hungover. I wake up to banging on the door, and there was a dude, blazing Brent Hazen. He was a detailer. He goes, Coco, get up. The cops surrounded that fucking dealership. I was selling cars at a super right. dealership. So I took the fucking cash that I had, you know, 3000 I went and I called my girlfriend, and it was in the paper. Right. And then two days later, I went up to Lee Hill Road. I was hiding up like in a house like this in Lee right. Hill Road. And I said, I can't take it. I got to go get a bag of pot, and I got to go get some movies. My friend kept telling me about Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon and Above the Law with Steven Seagal. Yeah. Those are the movies I had to get. In this situation, you're worried about fucking movies. I got to go to a fucking movie. Oh, my God. I got to see a movie. I'm a right. movie buff. I'm a reef ahead. Right, yes. Movie buff. So I go down there. I get the movies. And my, my brother at the time, I call him. I go, what's going on? He goes, listen, cops been coming to the house. One main, main cop. Keeps coming to the house, wants you to call. Here's his number. Give me the fucking number. So there's a Kmart. There's a Kmart and something else and an Albertsons across the street. Right. So I pick up a payphone. I call the dude. And how you doing? Officer Cola, who's this? Jose Diaz. Put on hold. Click. Hang up. Put on hold. Click. Finally, girl goes, you got to be on hold. I go, I'm not going on hold. Put him on the fucking phone. Right. I hung up the phone, but I'm looking at the Albertsons. And all of a sudden, fucking, he picks up the phone. He goes, Jose, where are you? And I go, I'm at Albertsons. He goes, I'll be there in three fucking minutes. We just want to talk to you. I go, okay. I walk back to the car, and I start rolling the joint, and I'm watching them. I'm watching Albertsons. And all of a sudden, I see SWAT trucks pulling up and shit and police officers with fucking shotguns running into Albertsons. And I go, they don't want to talk to me. No. So I go home. I watch a... a Lethal weapon, I watch above the law. And the next morning I get up, it's a Friday, and I tell my girlfriend at the time, I go, I'm going to turn myself in. I, I don't see it. America's Most Wanted was yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to turn myself in. This is not going to work. Wow. And I remember I put a plan together. I'm going to go down there and tell them I'm a superhero. In my cocaine mind, I was going to go down there and tell the cops I was working for the DEA undercover. They don't even know it. Like, I was going to fucking go down there. You know us, Chad. <laughs> we don't know nothing. 
But I told, and I told my girlfriend on the drive down, it was the night Don Johnson was going to marry Shania Twain, whatever her name is, yeah. on Miami Vice, right? Yeah. And I was excited about the wedding. I'm like, I can't wait for the wedding. I gave my girlfriend 30 bucks. I go pick up spare ribs, Chinese food. We got to watch this. I'm going to turn myself in at 11 in the morning. I'll be out by about 3.30. Right. And I'll come home and we'll watch Miami Vice. We'll smoke some reef and watch Miami Vice. Right. It's a typical Friday night. What a night. fucking fresh head you got. What a fuck. You're right. I walk up to the window. Bing bong. Who are you? Jose Diaz. I'm here to see Officer Cola. He opens the door. There's 10 fucking cops looking at me with guns. They throw me down, handcuff me, fucking throw me in a room. And then I go into Bronx mode. You know, right. What do you know? I don't know nothing. You know the, the Cuban Missile <laughs> Crisis? <laughs> Let me tell you what happened during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, right. They're like, but we're talking about the kidnapping, Joey. Did I tell you about the Cubans? We have a bookmaking operation in Jersey <laughs> right, right, with right. numbers. Right. And I'm, I'm just talking about shit. Wow. And I'm getting them. These two bozos are in there like, huh? And finally one guy goes, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. I got them talking about the Mets in 69 and then Crane Pool. Right. I'm doing everything but the kidnapping. And finally they... they fucking come out with a piece of paper and they go, listen, motherfucker, you're looking at a $100,000 bail. You're looking at kidnapping kidnapping one, kidnapping two, aggravated robbery, accessory to a felony, and second-degree burglary. You're doing 48 fucking years. Wow. The feds came, because when kidnapping is a federal... Yeah, that's federal, yeah. I, I thought kidnapping, I sent a note to your mother. Right, well, right, 20 right. bucks for your fucking <laughs> finger. You know, I didn't know it was taking somebody from another room into another room against their will. And that's 48 fucking years. Wow. Times two, that's 96. So Holy shit. I sat in there for a month. You sat in jail for a month? For a month. They lowered my bail. I went to my girlfriend's dad. Yeah. God bless him. He was a Polish guy from Buffalo. Right. Straight up gangster. He made a deal with me. I'll bail you out, but you got to change your life around. He got the bail down to three thousand because he knew Boulder. He had, they, they said I had no wow. ties to the community. This guy owned an insurance company so, in Boulder. Is that when the moment you changed your life? Or was it right after that? You would say no, no, fuck no, no. Okay, both. You know, you go to jail and you expect these things to happen. I go to jail. Who do I hook up with? Old Italian dude from the Bronx getting out on his last leg. Right. He's on his last three years of his 20-year sentence for whatever. I never asked him. Chubby dude, nice guy, Jimmy. And he used to cook at night. Right. I used to go over there, meatball, nachos. He used the iron to melt the cheese. He did everything. And he had a bookmaking operation in there. And he goes, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. He goes, all I got is the Italians and the whites to gamble. If you get the... The Spanish and the black. We got an operation. So me and him went into fucking pools, Honest. pools wow. on Monday, Sunday. You know, we had the guy that supplied drugs for the Crips. He right. was our cook. He was our cook because he's a little skinny brother. He used to bring right. in nutter butters and fucking right. the whole thing. You know, we, it was just an adventure in there. And I came out, and you know, when you're in there, when I got in there, I was the jailhouse attorney. I was the stockroom clerk. I drove the sandwiches to the guys on the road that you see fucking right, picking right. paper. I had it made in there. And then they put me in a halfway house. In the halfway house, and I'm like, you know, I'm all AA. I'm with the other guys with the Bible. Right. Once they let you out, that Bible goes up in the air. I think I was out at one and by three, I had a Coke rock in my nose. Like, I was ready to go. I showed up at the halfway house. Right. They piss test me. They said I was hot. I go, I did some drugs before I left. Okay, now you can't come back hot. And I must have spent a year in there on and off. 
And in the halfway house. In the halfway house. But in the meantime, I knocked up my wife at the time. Not doing any comedy. No. Comedy wasn't even in the. No. But you wanted to be an actor. You were an actor too, right? No. No. I never wow. listened. With my life being Cuban, the criminal aspect of my youth and what I had seen, I I thought actors were like this thing from God. I right. wasn't good enough to yeah, be Yeah, no, actor. I know exactly, yes. Before I got locked up at that Subaru dealership, I got into an argument with a guy. Can't remember what his name was. If I was 25, this motherfucker was 48, maybe 50. I bought a car one day, and they, they took it out of my check, but they took extra money. I said, it was a Saturday, my eight-ball day. You're not going to give me my money? <laughs> right. So I go, if I don't have my money an hour, I'm going to start smashing things. They liked me. They really, I was a good salesman. I was a young kid and I was right. a hustler. The guy was from Jersey. His name was Peter Pinto. Right. And then he had a boss that was a Marine, white dude, cowboy. Right. And I told him, I don't have my money an hour. I'm going to start smashing shit. They're like, we'll have it for you. They didn't have it an hour. I took a sledgehammer and I got on top of one of the Subarus on a Saturday with 200 customers on the lot. I don't want my fucking money. We're crazy. You know, we're wow. three kids. The guy came over. I'll give you the money. The other guy that came over, tried to get cute with me. I told him to get the fuck away from me. I disrespected them. We disrespected each other. They had a hold of us, and they sent me home. A week before the kidnapping, that same guy I motherfucked came up to me, and he goes, you have a minute? And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, I'm 24. Yeah, right. I don't want to hear your fucking mouth, Chaz. Okay? Right, right. My mother's dead. My father's dead. I'm out here alone, and now you're going to fucking come lecture me? You know? Yeah, sure. I, I didn't have a head for it. And he goes, I know you don't like me, and I don't like you. He goes, ask me what I did before I came to work selling cars here. I don't know. Tell me. Surprise me. He goes, I was the entertainment director at the fucking Golden Nugget or something for 30 years. He goes, I've worked at the mall. And he goes, you're a stand-up comic. He goes, take what you want with that. I told him to go fuck himself. Wow. I'm a fucking stand-up comic. And when I got locked up, when you get locked up, they do a thing called uh, you go away for a week or two and you do tests, you know, psychological right. tests, physicals. They do all these testing. Diagnostic, it's called. It's a diagnostic yes. center. Then they decide where you're going to go. I took the testing, and then when they sent me to the camp, I uh, the guy was a fucking racist fuck. My counselor was very... Uh, you know, Southern and very yeah. racist. He told me right out, I don't like Spicks. Like the first day I got, they go, sit down. Diaz, I don't like Spicks. That's number two. Number two, he goes, do you ever have whooping cough? I go, no. He goes, go work in the kitchen. But he didn't like me. And then I found out that once you're inside for a while, to ask your counselor what's on that diagnostic report. Yeah. So I kept bugging him. Hey, Mr. Blue, when am I going to read the report? And he kept telling me, you can't handle it. You're not going to handle it. You can't handle the report. You're not going to handle the report. Now in the time, I'm rocking in there. Thursday nights, they'd show movie night in prison. PT 109, right. those type yeah. of movies. The fucking cheap projector. So when the camera breaks, they would go, Cuba, go up there. So go up would... there and talk. Wow. Because I worked in the kitchen. And whenever we served bad food... All the indics would look at me and I'd go, don't do it. And I'd turn around. <laughs> and then they'd go, fuck it. They'd put the trays down and go eat, eat from the Italian guy. Right. So the Italian guy would say to me, I'm low on money. Tell him the food sucks tonight. And I would go in there, don't do it. And then the fucking. So I ran that kitchen. In, the, in this kitchen, there's Bloods, there's Crips, there's Cuban exiles, you know. Right. And it was like a fucking party in there. 
One time I had a sight to two. A crip was going to fight with a blood. And I go, knock it the fuck off because it's going to shut it down and we can't smoke pot, do acid, get our dick sucked. And they both looked at me. You got a point. So that was it. I mean, it was great in there. I loved all oh. that. I was happy, you know, when you come from where we come from. You know, my mother came from Cuba in 1966. She bought a bar in Harlem on 127 in Autobahn, like around that area. Yeah. And my first experience from Cuba was African-American. Sure. To the point where they took me to their fucking house and I would hang out with the kid and right. they would drink fucking. And on Saturday nights, we'd do talent night. You know, everybody says, well, African-Americans are so talented. Yeah, because when they're kids, they're broke. And while you're watching fucking The Love Boat with your fucking grandma, they're doing talent contests in the right. projects. Yeah. Singing and dancing. And, and I was yeah. part of that. I was part of that. They didn't wow. look at me. Every once in a while, they would, they would ask the kid, yo, who's that white motherfucker coming into the project? And he would turn around and go, He's Cuban, motherfucker. And that was it. That was it. The guys would go, what's a Cuban? They didn't even know what a fucking Cuban Yeah, was. that's right. Back then, sure. So when I got to that thing, to that camp, I was very happy to be around African-American again. It leveled me. Right. Prison was the best thing that happened to me. It's the best thing that happens to anybody. Well, it sounds like it because it, it, it put you on a path. Sometimes God has strange things, you know? He does strange things to people. He really does. So I'm, I'm about... Three months in, I'm doing the comedy, and Blue's looking at me every day like a father would look at you. You having a good time, jerk off? Right. You know, and you're like, yeah, Mr. Blue, cocksucker. And one day around the holidays, I started grinding him. Mr. Blue, when am I going to see the fucking report? You're too much of a pussy, you can't handle it. Too much of a pussy, you can't handle it. Okay? One day I went in his office, I go, Blue, enough with this shit. Let me see it. He goes, you want to see it, motherfucker? And he turned around. He was angry. He went in his file, and he threw the fucking file down. He goes, there it is. Read it. And I go, I don't have time to read this whole fucking thing. He goes, let me tell you what it says. It says that if I wanted something, if you wanted something that I had, I might as well give it to you because you're going to take it anyway. And I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken, guys. I never felt that low in my life. You just told me that I'm a fucking thief. And I'm never going to be anything better than that. I never talked to Blue again. That decision when I walked out, I'm, I'm not talking to this motherfucker again. You know, he just told me I'm not going to mount this shit. So he was not helping at all as far as life goes, this guy. Jazz. Two weeks later, he sees me. And he's like, what, you don't talk to me no more, spick boy? Yeah. I'm like, what do I want to talk to you for? You just told me I was going to be a thief the rest of my life. He goes, this is why I don't like you because you're a fucking idiot. Listen to what the fucking report said. If I had something you want, I might as well give it to you because you're going to take it. He didn't say nothing about stealing. He goes, when you get out of here, I want you to go for it. He goes, if you want something, I'm just telling you, you stupid fuck. I mean, he, wrote, he fucking rode me after that. He goes, you could take whatever you want. He goes, you have the smarts, the ability. I don't even know what the fuck you're doing in here, you fucking idiot. And he would call me an idiot constantly. Wow. He goes, when you get out of here, do the best that you can. And two days later, the guard, the, the librarian that's yeah. a nerd with the glasses, he was a fucking nerd, this guy. He was in there for life. He shot his wife and the mailman. He killed the mailman, was fucking his wife. He shot them both. <laughs> he was intelligent as fuck, this guy. He could talk. Every day after breakfast, we'd go to the library and this guy would school us on history. Me, the leader of the Crips. He was in there for life. He was in there for life. But he was getting out. 
He was going for parole in like right, four yeah, years. Right, I got you. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. As I was getting out, he came up to me one day and he gave me a notebook. And a notebook's a big deal in the joint. Nobody's going to give you a notebook. Right. You know, you have to pay $5 for him or whatever. And I go, what's this for? He goes, because you're going to leave. He goes, these last couple shows, these are for you to write your jokes in them. And I go, whatever. I don't write jokes. I just go up there and fuck around. This it's motherfucker goes. Amazing. He goes, wait a second. You don't write the shit you do up there? You don't prepare it? I go, no. I go up. They tell, I don't know when the projector's going to fucking break. Sometimes I'm in the bathroom and they right. come get me. Diaz, Cuba. The projector broke. So he goes, uh, I'm going to get out of here in about three years. He goes, if you're not doing stand-up, I'm going to fucking kill you. And that was it. I was like, I guess I'm doing stand-up. And when I went wow. to the halfway house, when I got out, Chaz, you know, we're always scared of the salvation. Of course. We are always scared of what's going to set us free. We'll yeah. do anything else but that. Yeah, do me it's a favor, Chaz. Dig that hole right there. Yeah. I'll do everything except dig that hole. But Chaz, I made flowers. But Chaz, I All made right. fucking yeah. gnocchi with lobster. Chaz, I yeah. painted the wall. No. Yeah. Fucking dig that fucking hole right there. That's going to change your life. Success is scary. 18 months of fucking canceling. I would call, I can't show up tonight. Yeah. And just one night, I took a stand-up comedy course. I was a roofer for an estimating company, a, a estimator for a roofing company. Wow. I'm out about two years, and I used to get the guys coffee in the morning and tamales and whatever for breakfast right. in Colorado. And one morning it was snowing, and I got them. They're like, Joe, nobody brought the coffee. I go, let me go over there. And when I sat down, I, I put the order in for breakfast, and I, there was a paper, Rocky Mountain News. And I just opened it. Just opened it. And it fell in the middle, like three quarters in, and it was an ad of Roseanne had just blown up. Right. It was 1991. I got out in 89. It's 1991. I still haven't gotten on fucking stage. Not talking about it because I didn't see it, Chad. I'm a fucking criminal. I, yeah. I saw things, you know, I, who's going to yeah, make yeah. me? Who's going to give me this shit? So I uh, took a class. I opened up the newspaper and it was, do you want to be a stand-up comic? There's a picture of Roseanne Barr explaining what happened after she blew up in Denver. Yeah. Stand-up comedy starting to get a momentum again. Yeah. And the last thing was take a stand-up comedy class for 37 bucks at the University of Colorado, three weeks on Sundays from two to five. I took the class. By this point, I'm a felon. I didn't graduate high school. You know, I got my GED before I got sentenced, but I still didn't. My mother was dead, my father was dead. I had no real motivation. I'm like, what the fuck? Let me sign up, and I did the class. I was doing okay. I had just gotten married. The baby was born, and I, I, I told somebody that I was going to get on stage July 18th, and my wife at the time heard it. So that night, she got a babysitter. To my surprise, when I got home, she goes, you ready to go on stage? And I'm like, I was ready to cancel. And she's like, well, I got a babysitter. We have to do it tonight. We could go. So I went to Denver. I went to the Comedy Works. I went up towards the end, and at that time, Chaz, I had done everything. I was a brick mason. 
You know, I grew up in North Bergen with all those Italians. Mm. I loved that shit. They would fucking lay the brick and slice their apples and, yeah. and talk about... There was an Italian guy across the street from me, Mr. Severino. He brought a lunchbox this big to lunch every day. Right. Pasta, but it was just small portions. Right. And they used to say, Mr. Sev, what the fuck? He would, and then at 2 o'clock, he would take out a wine with, with saran wrap on it and right. drink the red wine to relax for 15 minutes. I was a mason, a painter, a car salesman, a mechanic. I did it all. I got on stage that night, Chaz. When I walked out of that motherfucker, I was like, okay, how are we going to do this now? How the fuck am I going to get this done now? I was floating. I was floating. And yeah. The guy from the owner, Ed Nichols, came up to me and he goes, he goes, your material was all right, but the stage presence was second to none. He goes, keep coming down here. I was like, okay, but it's July of 91. I'm just starting to get my daughter's fucking not even a year old. And I'm like, this is never going to fucking happen. And then I went into this funk, Chaz. My body went into this funk. I wasn't happy anymore. I didn't know what it was. Jeez, man. My wife made me come back here for 10 days. Just maybe you missed. I hadn't been home in six years. Mm. I left in 85. People were looking for me. Cops were looking for me, shit like that. So I... So I'll never have to go back to New York. But then my friend calls me because nobody's looking for you. So I came back. I saw my friends. I reconnected with my stepdad. And when I went back, I really I went to the city a couple of nights to watch comedy yeah. very lightly. Uh, and then I got back to Colorado. And maybe a month later, I'm walking in the house. And she says to me, can we talk? And I love that little girl. That's the only friend. I got a sister in Cuba that died last year. Mm. At the time, I loved this little girl. And I and she goes, I think I want to get separated. And Chaz, it was it was like getting a blowjob and a big dick in your ass at the same time. You don't know which one <laughs> I don't know which way to go here. You're telling me that you don't want to leave me. And I wasn't sad because this was it. Now I knew I had to go for comedy. And you had a child. And I had a child. Wow. Well, if you weren't sad, it means that she finally pushed you where you should go. Yeah. It was, you know, and then things happened. We got separated, and that developed another war. Yeah. We don't talk now. My daughter and I don't talk now 33 years later. Wow. It was bad for everybody. We went to war, you know, and then she tried to take it into dirty water, which is my water. Yeah. And then I rose from the fucking grave. And, but there were so many aspects mm. that pointed me to this. When she left, I had nothing. And two days later, I opened up the paper, and there's a comedy contest in Boulder. And it was every month. It was Beck's, Beck's Beer. Yeah. Beck's. It was, Beck's they beer, sponsored yeah. a national contest. And I did it for about six weeks, and I got to the finals, December 18th, and I won. So six months in, I won a national contest. And they made they gave me like three hundred bucks right. and a house MC at a steakhouse. So for a year or maybe a year and a half, I had to go every Tuesday to a place where people went to get a steak because they were mooches for fifteen dollars plus a comedy ticket. Mm. And, I, and my job was I would never get a laugh, Chaz. I would never get a fucking laugh. My goal was to make them look up while they were eating the steak. That was my simple goal at that time. Then I would introduce two other comics and they made them laugh. Mm. You know. For years, I ran around lost, and then that was 91 when her and I broke up. What would you say is your, I always ask a, a lot of the people I have on the show, what was your define, defining moment Then you went, oh, 
Okay. I see where I got to go now. Maybe maybe you already said it just now. No. Defining moment came. I've been thinking about this lately. 1993, I was a mess. I got fired from that house MC job. Me and my ex-wife were at war. War! You know, she can't see the baby. You have a daughter. It was, it was just terrible. And I went into a funk, and I came back here for eight months. And I walked those streets in the city. A friend of mine gave me a job dropping off packages from him. Mm. Not drug packages, phone right. packages, communication packages. I drove a limo. I joined a boxing gym on 48th Street right by Port Authority. Yeah. I would put a suit in there with clothes. I would sell cars on 12th Avenue, mm. go there, change, walk around the city, do comedy, drop packages off. Mm. And walking around the city and doing comedy at shitholes, you know, let me know what I had to do, my mission. It was till I walked into your old Triple Inn. At 12.30 midnight, and I saw John Leguizamo working out to a room with eight people. But if you looked at that motherfucker, in his mind, he was at the garden. Right. In his mind, he was at the garden. Everybody complained about that room. You signed up at 11, and it went till 4 in the fucking morning. So I would, I would sign up and then go to JFK and pick up a Japanese tourist in the limo drop them off in the city, and by the time I got to it, I mean, what number are we up to? You're number 56, we're up to 48. It was like two in the morning. So that all got me prepared. That all got me prepared. I'll wrap it up with this. I know you got things to do. No, no, no. My, no, de my defining moment was. Joey, this has been a fucking honor to talk to you, but I, I gotta tell you, I, I gotta split this up in, into two episodes, part one, part two, because I want everybody to hear this fucking podcast, everybody. So that's going to be part one this week, folks. Part one with Joey Coco Diaz. We're going to have part two next week. And I want to thank you for tuning in. Chaz Palmetary Show. Go to chazpalmetary.net. Don't forget, March 1st, Arkansas. March 3rd, uh, San Antonio, Texas. April 1st is going to be Atlantic City at the Ocean uh, Casino, uh, at the Ovation Room. But just go to chazpalmetary.net. Don't forget our merchandise. If you want to talk to me personally, chazpalmetary.net will hook you up. God bless you all. Next week, part two with Joey Diaz.